is White Sox Weekly, your all-access pass to everything White Sox. That baby will go! Lance Lynn with an absolute gem. McKnight. Welcome in to White Sox Weekly here on ESPN 1000. I am Connor McKnight. The big voice guy said it, so it must be true. Lots to do on this morning's show. 312-332-3776. Nothing more important than talking White Sox with you. That's the phone number. That's how you get involved. You can also watch us on Twitch. Do we have the Twitch stream up or the lights? Yeah, Tyler Aki, our executive producer. That's right. I'm promoting him to executive producer right now, just this morning. He doesn't know about it. Tyler's our executive producer, and he says the Twitch stream is working. Jake Cantu's on the ones and twos. Good morning and happy to be with you. Yeah, Twitch is up. It's running. I look awful as always. And uh, you can join the show there. Hi. Hello. Let's see. What else? Oh, yeah. Emails. We're still packing up the email inbox. You can email us, Connor, at ESPNshy.com. You want to get an email into the Ask Us Anything show that we're planning for sometime in February, right about the time I come back from honeymoon, that sort of thing. Uh, you can shoot an email to Connor at ESPNshy, and we'll answer those in a show later on in February. Here's the plan for White Sox Weekly this morning. Uh, we have, you know, kind of over the last few weeks really tucked into the season review and preview episodes here. We've gone position by position, taking a look at the production the White Sox got out of each and every spot in 2021 and what you can expect from that spot going forward, not just in 2022, uh, but in years to come. So we've gone mostly around the diamond. There aren't many positions left that we've got to cover. There are some big ones, though. We've got to do left field. Uh, we've got to do behind the plate. We've got to do the catcher spot. We've got to get back into the starting rotation. And the idea was to you know, kind of begin that conversation early in the offseason. Then you had Rick Hahn, the general manager of the White Sox, give his season-ending press conference a couple of weeks later. He talked about Michael Kopech going into that rotation. So we'll revisit the starting five for the White Sox in a couple of weeks, I think. But today, I want to focus on one of the more, I don't know, I think talked about and kind of hotly debated White Sox, young, promising, uh, important White Sox players on the team. And I think you know who I'm talking about. I'm talking about the starting third baseman for your Chicago White Sox, Yoan Moncada. The season review and preview series will continue with a look at Yoan Moncada. We've got more to do on the show today, too, and, and a piece of news that popped just, uh, what, two, three days ago, something like that, that I'll get into concerning Dylan Cease. Uh, but I do want to let you know that at 930, Kevin Goldstein is going to join us. He's of Fangraphs, runs a podcast over there, was formerly in a baseball front office with the Astros, knows what he's doing. He's been in the room, as they say. I love talking baseball with Kevin Goldstein, and it's been a while since I've been able to do it. I mean, stations ago, shops ago, and jobs ago, uh, for me and Kevin to get the chance to talk baseball together, we will do that today at 9.30. I'll pick his brain on some things concerning the White Sox, and he discovered something. Tyler and Jake know about this. I was, we were talking about it when I came in to start the show. Kevin discovered something out there in the universe, out there in the internets. For those of us baseball junkies looking for something at night, looking for something to help us fall asleep a little bit in these troubled lockout days. 
We'll talk to Kevin about that at 930. It's really it's some, some beautiful, beautiful stuff. Uh, the lockout continues. We'll get you your lockout update a little bit later on. And we've got time, too, late in the show. The Athletic did a Major League Baseball fan poll about the things that are you know, kind of percolating at this point in the lockout. The things that fans are looking to, are concerned about, want improved, want fixed a little bit better, all that kind of stuff. So we'll get to that later on in the show. And if we don't get to it today, because I'm, I'm looking forward to talking to Kevin and having a good, long baseball chat with a guy I, I really respect and think is a whole lot smarter than I am. Um, we'll get to it next week because I, I think it's some interesting responses, some interesting conversation around what's next for baseball from a larger kind of meta sense. So, again, 312-332-3776. That's the phone number. We're getting into Yoan Mankata in a little bit. Oh, by the way, uh, Tyler, Jake, there is a quiz later on in this segment of the show. So we're going to get to that. It's it's concerning third baseman in both the American and National League. So put your thinking caps on and you as can do that too. As long as not the Godfather, I'll be fine. I think. No, no, we're not going to do the Godfather anymore. That's for McKnight at the movies and you're welcome. You should watch that. But Carmen invited me over on, uh, what was it, Thursday? You got invited to the palace. I got invited to the DeFalco, not palace, theater. The, the theater inside the chateau, the DeFalco chateau. That is, for those of you who don't, I, we do McKnight at the movies on the Carmen Yurko show. I, I do play-by-play of a movie, and you guess which one it is. The young Tyler has not seen, I mean, what are you, 24? I mean, this isn't an age. 24, yeah. 24? So he's, yeah, I'm 36. Carm's a little bit older. Yurk is ancient and ageless at the same time. Tyler just hasn't seen the movies that we've all seen. And one of the big ones is The Godfather, 1972 release. The same year Dick Allen won the MVP for the Chicago White Sox. Hitting, wow, what did he hit, 38 home runs that year? 43? Can't remember. Um, either way, go see The Godfather, but take your time. I mean, it is kind of a masterpiece, but we've seen these movies before. Okay, uh, what was I talking about? Oh, yeah, top third baseman quizzes. Oh, yeah. We're doing a list of top third basemen, so we'll get to that in just a second. Here's the news that I wanted to talk about that just happened in the last couple of days. Dylan Cease, budding, you know, potential number two, number one kind of guy in the White Sox rotation who had just a terrific season last year, breakout by any measure, 32 starts, a 391 ERA, 165 innings pitched, 13 wild pitches, which led the league, but the big note is the 12.3 strikeouts per nine. The strikeout rate that was just ungodly. The numbers, the total strikeouts for Cease last year, 226, puts him in a top 10 for a single season in White Sox franchise history. He was that kind of guy last year. So the news was, just a couple of days ago, I want to say it was Wednesday going into Thursday when I saw it on Twitter, Dylan Cease has switched his representation over to Scott Boris. <gasps> we should have planned some sort of like a young Frankenstein dun 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 for the whole Scott Boris thing because I know what it does to baseball fans to hear that your player is now a Scott Boris guy, right? And I'm sure the same thing is happening for I don't know Yankees fans or Cubs fans or Dodgers fans, probably not Dodgers fans, but anybody who wants Carlos Correa on their team in 2022, which really could be White Sox fans, um, but he switched to Scott Boris as well. Here's a couple of things. And I've seen this going around on Twitter, some of the conversation, some of the debate around it. Remember, yeah, it's been kind of a troubled history between, you know, that agent, his clients, and the White Sox. Yeah, true. Fine. So be it. But Dylan Cease enters his first arbitration season next year. After next year, I should say. 
So the arbitration process, as it's currently constructed, keeps him under control with the White Sox for 23 and 24 and 25, those seasons. He's a really good pitcher. He's a guy who, like I said, broke out in all kinds of ways last year with the strikeout rates, being able to post 32 times, going over 150 innings, all that kind of stuff. I mean, you saw the kind of stuff that could make Dylan Cease a one in this league. And I mean it, a one in this league in short order. You saw the kind of stuff and the kind of dominance from Dylan Cease, really for long stretches, that led Yasmani Grandal in spring training of last year, which feels like a while ago, and I guess it was, but Yaz said last year in spring training that Cease has the kind of stuff that could win him a Cy Young. Now, he didn't get votes last year, could have, but didn't. Cease... Signing with Scott Boras makes a lot of sense to me. He's the best agent probably in the business. It's something where you go, okay, listen, if I'm going to make this work, if given this CBA and, and the lockout and everything that's going on, don't have a lot of options, there's a lot of things to do, so exploring a change in agent makes a lot of sense to me too. I don't think that there's writing on the wall. I, I, I don't think that this is a portend of terrible things to come. This is, this is a guy who switched to you know top-tier representation because he could be a top-tier arm in the American League, and that's all right. So I, 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 just to say, I, I saw some worry out there about it. I, I think the worry is down the line, and Cease will be part of this rotation, I would imagine, for a handful of years to come. He's certainly controlled by the White Sox, team-controlled up through 26 um, so he's the, he's the kind of guy that you can build around. He's the kind of guy that I think really has that potential to do it. He's got a lot of things to iron out. You know, he's got command and control issues that he's got to iron out. He's got a fastball. He's got to make sure it doesn't ride away from him in the zone. But the swing and miss stuff was there for a lot of breaking pitches last year. It was a lot of fun, I, I thought, to watch Dylan Cease. Now, let's get to the season review and preview part of this episode of White Sox Weekly. We've gone around the diamond. I wanted to land on third base, and I wanted to have a little conversation about Yohan Moncada, 312-332-3776. I'll start with this, and we'll get into kind of the nuts and bolts of Yoan. Uh, we've, got some, we've got some highlights from Yoan Moncada that I think is probably a decent way to kick things off. Jake, why don't you, uh, why don't you light it up with a little bit of Len? 3-2 pitch, hit in the air, deep right center. That baby will go, 2 to nothing. Just like Luis Robert, Moncada covered a fastball with no problem. Good to see him showing some power here late. Yeah, power is the name of the game for Yoan in 2022. That was uh, well identified by DJ there and a lot of White Sox fans. And even, you know, kind of Yoan and, and the White Sox front office coming into it. Overall, Yoan Moncada finished 2022 with a 122 weighted runs created plus. I talk about this number quite a bit. A lot of places do. It's getting a lot more popular in terms of advanced stats, and it's really not all that advanced. It's just, it's an offensive measure is what it is. And it's, um, you know, it's neutralized for a lot of different park effects and, and league environments and all that kind of stuff. Being over 100 by a point means you're a percentage point better than average in creating some of that, uh, some of that offense, just to, to make it real simple. So 122, real good, real solid. Buster Olney of ESPN put out his list of top 10 third basemen heading into the 2022 season. Remember, you know, MLB, doc, MLB Network does like the shredder and stuff like that of their top players. They're not doing that right now because they're in a lockout, but Buster can. And this is not based on Buster's opinion necessarily. He talked to players and agents, and front office people, all that kind of stuff. 
I've got that top 10 list. We'll talk about it when we come back. We'll pick Jake and Tyler's brain, see if they can line up the best third baseman in baseball. I will give you a hint. Yohan Mankata is on this list. I'll shoot it right there. Yohan Mankata is a top 10 third baseman, according to a handful of people, heading into 2022. And I think that makes sense. You know, as we get into Yohan in the next segment and take a look at what third base is and what it might be in the years going forward for the White Sox, I think the central question about Yohan is this. In 2019, 25 home runs, a top 10 exit velocity guy. 2020, obviously, the difficult year for a lot of people. Yohan had COVID and really, really struggled to shake the effects of it. It's difficult for a lot of people, and it affected Yohan pretty deeply in the 2020 season. 2021 saw some interesting, you know, kind of peripheral stats, but low numbers in power and good defensive play from Yohan Mankata. So as we look forward to what his future with the White Sox looks like, his production in Major League Baseball looks like, the question really centers around how much was 2019 Yohan Mankata? How much did 2020 throw that off? And what was 2021? How do things add back up in 22? We'll continue our season review and preview series with third base for the White Sox when we come back. A reminder that you can secure your spot this season with the White Sox ticket package. It's the best way to get the best seats at the best prices. Plus, enjoy postseason priority, flexible payment plans, and more. For more information, call or text 312-674-1000 or visit WhiteSox.com. More White Sox Weekly when we come back on ESPN 1000. If you're looking for a unique way to start your game day this season, then you can treat your group of 20 or more to a pregame patio party. Oh, I love the patio party. I got to do it once before I got this gig. It's a blast. You'll get two hours of an all-you-can-eat buffet along with unlimited beer, wine, and Coca-Cola products. For more information, visit whitesocks.com slash patio or call 312-674-1000. It's White Sox Weekly. I'm Connor McKnight. You've got ESPN 1000 doing our season review and preview episode focusing in on third base. We've got our news and notes segments coming up a little bit. Kevin Goldstein of Fangraphs joins us at 9.30. Jake Cantu and Tyler Aki here with us as well. Now, fellas, uh, as we hit the break, I told you we had a little bit of homework here on the show today. Since we're going back through third base and taking a look at Yoan Mankata's season that was and what's to come, I caught that Buster Olney of ESPN put together his list of top 10 players that Buster didn't just do this on his own. He didn't pick names out of the hat. He talked to players and coaches and front office members around the league and came up with the top 10 third baseman for 2022. I have the list. You should go read the article. It's behind the paywall, but it's very good. And it, you know, takes a look at the guys outside the top 10, the production, they've got all that kind of stuff, but here's your list. And I'll tell you this, I I'll give it away early because I think the list is pretty interesting on in and of itself. Yohan Mankata's in the top 10. But who, we'll start with Tyler. Who do you have for your number one third baseman heading into 2022? I would go with Jose Ramirez. So someone within the division. Jose Ramirez. Uh, give him a day. That's perfect, man. One point. Jose Ramirez was listed as the top third baseman heading into 2022. It's uh, one point for getting a guy on the list, and it's 1,000 points for getting him in the correct spot. So 1,000 points to Tyler. Well done. Jake, a top third baseman, a top 10 guy for 2022. I'm going to have to go uh, Arenado. Nolan Arenado. Yeah, 
That is correct. He's number three on the list. Nolan Arenado is right there for you. Uh, boy, defensively speaking, too, these two guys. You know, Ramirez is much better defensively than I think he gets credit for. You know, you kind of see the dude, and he's like low and stocky, and he's got that, I don't know, he's got that thing around him. You know, he's got that thing where he could just like stroll out on any baseball field anywhere and just mash and play, and you're like, eh, I don't know. So, one more, Tyler, from you in the top ten. I'll go with uh, Manny Machado. Manny Machado, number mm-hmm. two on the list. Number two on the list. Very good. Uh, Jake, one more. Let's get four total out of these ten. Is uh, Alex Bregman there? Alex Bregman, number four. There it is. So these felt, look at you, two premier baseball minds right here on White Sox Weekly. And I just yap into the microphone for a while. Knocked off the top four pretty easily. Jose Ramirez, one. Manny Machado, two. Arenado, three. Bregman, four. Rafael Devers out in Boston, Austin Riley at six, Justin Turner at seven, Matt Chapman of the A's, who might be on the trading block at eight, Josh Donaldson at nine, and Yoan Moncada at ten. Again, go read the article. It's a good one. It rounds out a lot more. But Yoan Moncada at ten. Now, here's a couple of things I think about Yoan, too. In 2019, he hit 25 home runs. Let me pull up the baseball reference page and make sure I'm looking at it properly. 25 home runs, that's a career high for him. It saw him be maybe his most aggressive in terms of how often and what he's swinging at. And he struck out looking a lot, but also chased a lot. The season strikeout totals for Yuan in 2019 was at 154. In 2018, he struck out even more than that. 217 strikeouts, right? That was that year where things were way too passive. And Ricky Renteria and everybody was talking about Yoan, you know, taking that called third strike far too often because maybe he's got a better eye than the home plate umpire behind him. 85 strikeouts looking in 2018, which I think led the league. And if it didn't, it was very, very high up there. What's interesting is that, you know, whether I'm doing post-game shows or just kind of chatting with White Sox fans, is that there is still... This idea that Yohan Mankata just, oh, God, he's just way too passive. He strikes out looking way too often. When, in fact, he's cut that down quite a bit. Like, a lot. He struck out looking 39 times in 2020. That's the COVID-shortened season. In more than 60 more plate appearances in 2021, he struck out looking 36 times. So fewer. That number's going down. His strikeout rate, 25.5% in 2021... Still high, but look at the brand of baseball we're playing, right? Strikeout rates are high. If you hit for power, which Yohan could do a little bit more of, no doubt about it, that's dealable. That's workable. Dealable is not a word. Low strikeout rate for Yohan. And when you look at the barrel rate, too, the idea of what Yohan's able to get to and cover, I I think you can look at Yohan and just kind of say, listen, this should have been a little bit better than it was in 2021 he's even or above water defensively and i think his range is pretty impressive especially when going toward the line at third base there's been a lot of conversation or at least some about whether yoan would move over to second and free the white Sox up for acquiring some other you know guy who could play third whether that's matt chapman in a trade or chris bryant in free agency or some other crazy notion uh, that's up to whoever you're talking to but They've been really clear, the White Sox front office has, that Yohan, Yohan's probably staying at third base. Rick doesn't like to, Rick Hahn doesn't like to cut off options, and he hasn't. He's left things open, but third base is more than likely where he's going to stick and should. 
This is from James Fegan, who, by the way, congratulations to James Fegan. He was named one of the Illinois' top sports writers in 2021. He writes for The Athletic and is a frequent guest here on the show, despite the fact that he's asked me not to call him several times. But he writes this. 29 hitters, qualified hitters, were within one percentage point of Yohan Moncada's 8.2% barrel rate. That's not a great mark, but it also doesn't set him up to be a singles hitter that he was in 21. Of those 29, right? So what James is looking at is the group around Yoan in terms of barrel rate. Only Gleyber Torres, Miguel Cabrera, and Alex Verdugo produced lower ISOs. That's a measure of total power. Smaller guys like Mookie Betts and Cedric Mullins had huge power seasons, both of them, with lower barrel rates than Yoan Mankata. And he sums it up really nicely here, and this is what I've looked at too. Players who connect as solidly and as frequently as Yoan Mankata generally get more out of it. So I think what you probably could say about Yoan from 21 into 22 is, first, stay healthy, and that's a measure for everybody in baseball. But if you put up another season like that with the kind of contact and barrel rates that you did, things ought to be pretty good for the White Sox at third base in 22 Three one two three three two three seven at seven six. That's the phone number. Hold on to it. Plenty of time for you to get involved in the show today. Kevin Goldstein is our guest. He writes for Fangraphs and hosts a podcast there as well. He's next, but you can experience the all-inclusive guaranteed rate club too. This private club includes in-seat service, parking, and unlimited food and beverage. Ticket packages start at twenty games. They include flexible payment plans and twenty twenty-two postseason options. For more information, call or text 312-674-1000 or visit WhiteSox.com. Kevin Goldstein of Fangraphs is next. We'll chop it up with him on White Sox Weekly, ESPN 1000. The 0-2 pitch. Very high for a ball. He wasn't trying to give him anything to hit there. Here's the 1-2. And Von Neumann nearly swings out of his shoes, and that's strike number three. Malone works himself into and out of a pickle, but the Big Timbers Rapids tie the game at one leaving two men on. And we'll be back with the bottom half of the second in a few moments. Visit the Flagstone State Fair and the Handyson Quintuplets. Three girls and four boys. Bring a canned good donation or four red stamps and get your picture taken with the kids. The Handyson Quintuplets at the Flagstone State Fair. That's play-by-play from the Northwoods Baseball Sleep Radio League. This is Connor McKnight. It's White Sox Weekly here on ESPN 1000. Our guest, Kevin Goldstein of Fangraphs and the Chin Music Podcast, wrote about that league on Fangraphs just the other day. Kevin, it is it is a pleasure to talk baseball with you again after a long time. How are you, man? I'm doing good. You're just tired for content, aren't you? <laughs> we are. We're we're diving for it, man. We're we're mining deep. We're getting into it. That's what we're doing. Um, but I I thought this was. I mean, first of all, just to, to so people know where we're coming from on this. I guess it was just a little bit of a a shot to come out of break with the Northwoods Baseball Sleep Radio. You you found this, started digging around on it, and then talked to the guy who does it. Tell us a little bit about what you, how you found this, and why. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, sound makes me look like a genius. So we're doing the case. Um, <laughs> you know, I uh, I think I'm from Chicago, and you know, I, I grew up in. I'm, I'm a man in my 50s. I grew up in Chicago, so I grew up in the 80s Chicago punk rock scene. 
um, and and came you know things that came out of the Chicago punk rock scene were uh, still a lot of great musicians and 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 a very weirdo artist community. And so uh, you know there's a lot of connections to the the kind of fantastical Chicago weirdo artist community. And uh, someone in that community sent me this and said, "Have you seen this?" Because they do like was also someone who was involved in baseball. He's like, you got to see this, and, or rather hear this. Um, it's from a, a person who goes by Mr. King. He is a, a, a media producer, if you will. He makes, uh, he makes YouTube videos. He makes various audio, fi- audio files. He does audio work. And he made uh, a fake baseball game that's designed to put you to sleep. You know, a lot of people listen to podcasts. I have fallen asleep to West Coast games. Uh, I am not a golf fan at all. I could name a single PGA golfer. Often on a Saturday summer afternoon, if I want to take a nap, I'll put golf on. Oh hell yeah! It's just kind of a, it's just like those calming sounds. And he he uh, he was falling asleep to real baseball, West Coast baseball. Uh, but he'd always get jarred by the commercials. And I mean, look, you're you're a radio station. You know the commercials are a little louder. Someone starts yelling about a truck or something. Uh, and he wanted a baseball game that had no excitement. So the volumes never, the volume levels never changed. Uh, the game is not a super exciting one. One team scores six in the first three innings and just kind of coasts from there. He never gets too worked up. And so he decided just to do it because it's a weird idea. He's a weird guy and that's what he does. And so he created this kind of fake baseball league. Uh, it just takes place in Michigan. The first game is Big Rapids and Cadillac. Uh, his wife created baseball names. And it's a legit game. It's nine innings. It is, you know, they 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 bat in order. It's a guy hit singles, guys walk, guys pop out, uh, you know, run score, run don't score. There are pitching changes, there are pinch hits, and uh it's a lot of fun and very weird and often very funny. I am uh I'm four for four this week in falling asleep before the end of the bottom of the first in this broadcast. <laughs> Which I absolutely love. I'm really looking forward to hearing some scoring, but at the same time, I don't want to. I texted Len Casper, our White Sox play-by-play man, about this, and I asked whether he'd heard it, and he texted back very simply, yes, it's amazing. And it it really is. It really is. It's really something. I'm so glad you wrote about it. And for people who are interested in, you know, either a sleep aid or just, you know, reading Kevin Goldstein's work, which is anything but a sleep aid, you can go find it at Fangraphs. Uh, Kevin also runs the Chin Music podcast, talks with baseball luminaries like Jeff Passan over the last couple of weeks uh, about the lockout, about uh, video games and movies and all that kind of stuff. Kevin, I... I wanted to talk to you not so much about the lockout, though, but kind of about where the White Sox are heading into or, I guess, out of the lockout, depending on your perspective. We spend a little bit of every episode in the offseason looking at one particular position, uh, both past and going forward. And today was third base with Yoan Mankata. And without too much prompt, what do you think of Yoan Mankata as the entrenched starter for the White Sox at third base in 22 and beyond? You know, obviously, Yohan Mankata, if you just, you know, you go call up his career page on Fangraphs or Baseball Reference or wherever you prefer to do it, uh, he looks like a guy who's hard to predict. You know, 2019 felt like a, a breakout year, and then he was, you know, a superstar, a guy who got some, some down-ballot MVP votes. 2020 was a disaster, but 2020 was a disaster for all of us. Yeah. And, and I, 2020 is something I think you kind of write off as a, as a whatever year that's not. Uh, it's no sort of good evidence for us thinking about baseball players moving forward. And then in 2021, he was all right. You know, he was all right. And so if you, the thing is, 
you know, despite the fact that his kind of, you know, for lack of a better term, back of the baseball card statistics are wildly varying, his underlying metrics, his underlying data, the things you look at when you actually are trying to reject the baseball player are kind of stable and kind of tell us what kind of player he is. You know, that insane 2019 season involved metrics that were unsustainable. You know, his batting average and balls in play was, was, was kind of insane. And, you know, what we saw in 2021 is kind of that mid-range where the statistics and the underlying metrics kind of matched up. And so that's kind of the player he is. Um, you know, he doesn't hit balls as hard as he did in, in 18 and 19. And I think he's probably more of a 15 or 20 home run guy. He's, in terms of his ability to make contact and how hard his contact is, he's probably more of a 260 to 280 guy. Uh, the one thing that he's really improved on clearly are his swing decisions. You know, we always remember the, the 217 strikeouts Ooh, one year. Yeah. You know, he's, he's cut that down a lot, but also, you know, has stopped chasing. You know, he doesn't chase nearly as much as he does, which, which could increase, end up in an increase in batting average, but it also gives him a lot of walks. You know, this guy gets on base and, and you know, I never really liked on base percentage because it's, you know, what's the most important thing you can do when you're at the plate, not make an out. And that's what on base is not make an out percentage. Uh, and he is a really good one because he can draw walks. He works the count. Well, he, he doesn't leave the zone. He, he kind of knows where his groove, where the grooves of his swings are. And if the pitch isn't there, he lays off of it. And so, you know, I think he's going to remain a guy with a very good on base percentage. I think it's going to be kind of a middle of the road batting average. And I think you're going to be looking at, you're probably somewhere between 60 and 20 home runs. Talking with Kevin Goldstein. It's a, real, oh, it's sorry, a really Kevin. good player. Yeah, no, no, he, yeah, yeah that's, a, that's, a, that's a really good player. I think people might hear that and be disappointed. That's a really good player. That's, you know what? It, it truly is. And, and watching him, too, it, it can be, I think, for White Sox fans, and if, if I measure the post game by any bit, you know, you watch him and you see the talent, you see the potential, and sometimes it doesn't get there. And that can make for a frustrating watch all while the player achieves much more than acceptable, you know, overall production in a year, right? I mean, you can see a guy just maybe not tap into everything that he can do in a season, and yet, overall, top 10 kind of third baseman. Right, when you add it all up, it all works, but at the same time, like you said, it's a perfect thing. If he's, I mean, you've seen him. No, I'm on it can be electric. It's, yeah. it, it can be phenomenally exciting. And when it all kind of clicks and comes together, guy looks like a world beater. He's also, you know, some of it comes from that swing of his. Like sometimes he's also prone to kind of disappear for four or five days. Uh, you know, if he can get a, if he gets a little bit out of whack. And so he's a streaky guy, but, you know, when you add it all up, good player. Kevin, I, you know, I want to look back a little bit at, at the trade the White Sox made for Chris, uh, for Craig Kimbrell, rather, and, and what you think the best path is going forward in a trade. Obviously, you know, we, you know, I, I wanted to ask you because you've been in the room for drafts and trades uh, for a major league franchise. You know what it is to have those conversations. The return is going to be a real interesting one for Kimbrel if the White Sox do go ahead and trade them. But from your perspective, what did that look like to you when it got done? What does it look like to you moving forward if the White Sox or should the White Sox really invest in moving Craig Kimbrel? I'm going to go backwards here. You know, should they move Craig Kimbrel? And the answer is we don't know because, you know, we only have half of the equation here. Should they move King Kimbrell, Craig Kimbrell? Not if the return's not right. And if they find the return that's right, then they should. And, I, you know, I know it's a crappy answer, but that's the truth. I'm sure they will listen on Craig Kimbrell. And 
um, you know, without getting into the, the, the weird and, and often fake economics of this game, they might want to uh, distribute Craig Kimbrell's salary in a different way for their roster and therefore move him. In order to do that, they need to find a dance partner. And, and I guarantee you, you know, when they're, I'm sure they were talking to teams before we ended up where we are right now. Teams can't talk to other teams about trades right now. Uh, and they won't be able to until the lockout ends. But I'm sure they were talking to teams beforehand. I'm sure that conversation started every time with, well, how much of his salary are you willing to pick up, mm-hmm. guys? You know, that was the response every time. Because, you know, unfortunately, the Craig Kimball we saw in the White Sox uniform is, is uh, you know, a, a Craig Kimball that certainly scared teams off in terms of what he's due money-wise this year. And, you know, I'm, I, I'm a believer that some of that was a uh, – an effect of when he pitched. You know, I do think he's a guy who, and they're out there, who kind of needs the ninth, if you will. He needs, you know, he needs, he needs the ninth, he needs the pressure, and it helps him. And so, you know, so that's going to hurt. So now you turn into, it's up to the White Sox, really. They could pick up more money and therefore get a better return. Or they could pick up less money and get less of a return. So now it's up to the White Sox. And really, we really don't know where they, where they sit on this, on this seesaw, if you will, of balancing money and return in terms of player quality. Like they might just want to get him out of there and get, and, and be happy to pick up a big chunk of the money and not get a great player in return or, or rather get a good player in return. Cause they're going to pick up a ton of the money or they might just kind of want to say, no, we got to keep this even and just get him out of here and pick up most of the money and not get a really good player in return. So it's really kind of up to them. And there's always the chance they just don't find the match that they want. In which case, you go into the year with, you know, frankly, a really good reliever that you hope can turn it around. Yeah. So there's a lot of scenarios here. There's no disaster scenario here for the White Sox, I think. And that's, you know, one of the reasons that he hasn't been traded yet, which is that, you know, they need a good scenario because the, the, the other, you know, if the scenario of nothing happening isn't really that bad a one for them. The, uh, the journey for a lot of people when it comes to the robot umpire system that is uh, creeping into our baseball, whether we like it or not, has been kind of a, I don't know, it's been back and forth. For me, it has for sure. I used to be hardcore, you know, automated strike zone, do it all. Justin Morneau made me a convert a couple of years ago just because that's where he was at at the time. And I've gone back and forth some, but I'm sure you saw the notice. MLB's website posted a hiring notice seeking seasonal employees to operate an automated ball and strike system at AAA for the coming season. Now, it won't affect the or it will rather affect the White Sox, the Charlotte Knights or one of the teams that are that are invested in this or, or listed in this. Where are we at with the automated ball and strike system with robot umpires? And where are you at, Kevin, psychologically with uh, accepting this in our baseball? Because it seems like it's coming. It is coming, and I am for it. And however, I am for it when it works right. And you know, having been to games with automated ball and strike systems, and having talked to people who are, have managed and played in games with automated ball and strike systems more than I've seen them, the, the the technology is just not ready for prime time yet. It's just not. You know, it is it is still a flawed technology, and it is it is missing balls. Uh, it is calling a weird zone at times, and that's something that I think we need to address, which is like it's, it's fine to kind of quest for perfection, <clears throat> excuse me, but you still have to there's, – there's always going to be unintended consequences of anything. Yeah, and there are guys throwing you know, weird breaking balls that are never in the zone 
clip a corner when they go over and it's a strike. And if you looked at it on TV, you would go, how the hell is that a strike? And yet technically it's a strike because when across the plate, it did clip the corner. And so, you know, I think there needs to be a discussion of what the strike zone is, but at the same time, the technology itself is just not ready for prime time. It is not, it doesn't have the, the, the efficacy that we're looking for in terms of getting balls and strikes right, even with the zone. As we know it, you know, there was a problem during the Arizona Fall League this fall for a while where it actually was calling the edges really well, but was missing some pitches right down the pipe. Yeah, I saw that. And so, you know, and that was a weird one. You know, I was at a game like that where, you know, the guy would you know, catch with set up inside, the, the, the dude on the mound would paint and it'd be a strike. Like, okay, that's nice. And, you know, he'd throw a meatball. They're just throwing right down and be a ball. And he's like, what's going on here? And, and then the players felt the same. So, you know, it's not going to get better until we have it running in games and are testing it, which is why we have to do what we have to do. But I don't think we're going to see an automated ball and strike system in the major league in the next three years. I, I think that they are. They, they want this technology to be really buttoned up and excellent before they implement it in the TV league. And I still think they are, you know, frankly, years away from that. What does it feel like to be to to be at a game with an automated ball and strike system being called? I didn't realize that you'd you'd actually been at some. Is it is it a weird feel? They they they, they kind of manage the flow pretty well. Actually, um, there are some delays here and there. For the most part, I think the casual fan wouldn't notice it at all. Um, but there did feel like there were probably four or five times a game where you know something went wrong with the relay or something like that, and all of a sudden the umpire's you know doing a 180 and looking up towards the press box because um, he didn't get a relay. Yeah. And so, you know, there, there are a few issues like that. Again, these are things that need to get buttoned up, but for the most part, I think just the flow of the game, um, I, I don't think a casual fan would notice at all. Kevin, appreciate it as always. Great catching up. Keep up the awesome work on Fangraphs and with the podcast. Uh, and will there be, do you know whether there'll be another game for the Northwoods baseball sleep radio or is the one going to do it? Well, Mr. King planned, uh, committed to himself to doing a dozen. <laughs> he is currently, uh, writing and putting together game number two, uh, which, uh, Cadillac returns and they will be, uh, playing Manistee. Oh, throw out the record books when those two get together. <laughs> That's a barn. <laughs> Kevin, thanks, man. Always great talking with you. Thanks, Scott. I have a good one. You got it. Kevin Goldstein of Fangraphs. <laughs> Go check it out. It's it's on the website. It's on Fangraphs.com. It's the Northwoods Baseball Sleep Radio League. And if you are like me uh, with, I don't know, tons of anxiety around planning a wedding in times of COVID in the next two weeks, and you just need a little something to put you to bed at night, check out the Northwoods Baseball Sleep Radio League. It is uh, It works. I haven't made it through more than six outs. It's absolutely fantastic. And Kevin is too. When we come back, your phone calls 312-332-3776. We'll get back into third base for the White Sox. And we've got an athletic play, uh, fan poll that we might dig into as well. I'm Connor McKnight. It's White Sox Weekly on ESPN 1000. <laughs> Bring your group to a White Sox game this season and receive specially priced tickets along with a great experience. Get priority access to select the biggest matchups, choose the best space for your group, and postseason priority 
for 2022. For more information, call or text 312-674-1000 or visit WhiteSox.com. I'm Connor McKnight. It is White Sox Weekly. Last couple minutes of the show, the hockey guys are up next. Pat and Brian uh, and Ben Pope with the Sun-Times is their guest in the 10 o'clock hour. I just wanted to wrap up real quickly uh, the third base position. We'll get into the athletic fan poll, I think, next week. We'll break that down, the three of us. Um, but there are a couple other guys on the White Sox depth chart at third base that I wanted to just mention a little bit. Obviously... Jake Berger made his major league debut last year. His comeback from two torn Achilles is a uh, well written about story and deservedly. So Jake is just a really fun guy to talk with a guy that really enjoys the game has, has uh, an immense amount of appreciation and humility around his comeback. I mean, just the, the likelihood that that guy comes back from those two injuries, very low, uh, made his major league debut, hit his first MLB home run, the whole thing. Played a little second base in the offseason. He's shared some videos working at the Keystone, so I don't know if that's something that is re- really in the future for Jake in the next year, but it seems like a position he wants to open himself to. I mean, everywhere you look in the major leagues right now and in, and in AAA and the prospects coming up, position players are trying to add that extra spot, just that one more position that can help them get to the bigs and stick. Jake Berger adding second base could be one of those things. Probably a third baseman, uh, a guy that's got a little bit of range, more than you'd give him credit for, and a lot of pop. So maybe you'll see Jake Berger make a roster at some point with the White Sox next season. Uh, Wes Kath was the second-round pick for the White Sox. He's primarily a third baseman, 19 years old. Uh, And then Brian Ramos, a 19-year-old, going to be 20 soon, a really interesting minor league season, uh, 277, 353, 415 in the rookie level Arizona leagues uh, just this last year. Um, 2020 instructional league stuff. A lot of people are checking in on Brian Ramos. Uh, played for Canapolis a little bit, or at least that's where he'll likely go. Second base, third base, Brian Ramos, a guy that probably deserves mention in the White Sox depth chart. You can experience a game this season from the Goose Island located in right field. It features a variety of seating options, easy access to the craft cave and more. It's available for group outings as well. And for more information, call or text 312-674-1000 or visit whitesox.com slash island. Also, and lastly, you can stay up to date on all things White Sox by following the team's official social media accounts. Don't miss a minute of the action on and off the field. Follow the at White Sox on social today. Uh, Just to wrap things up, and I hope you'll permit me just a little bit of indulgence. um, The radio world, the Chicago radio industry lost uh, a legend this last week. This is my first time on air since the passing of Les Grobstein, who worked for a number of different stations and was a huge influence in the way we talk about sports on Chicago radio. Uh, my first on-air experiences, my first shifts were doing updates for Les's show years ago. Um, we lost him at the age of, of 69 and the remembrances by professional teams in and around town and by everybody who shares a microphone here on our Chicago airwaves has been incredible. Uh, I thank them and everyone for that and Les for his memory and love and passion for Chicago sports. Rest in peace, Les. The Hockey Show's next. ESPN 1000.